0: Welcome to David Gibbons in discussion with today's guest, David Azza talking about the future of immigration policy and Homeland Security's role. Welcome to our first program in discussion. I am delighted today to have David Azza joining us. David was born in Holland, Amsterdam in Holland, and uh, came into the USA in 1998, former press secretary to the attorney general in The Hague, and uh, since then set up in private practice in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. David, uh, welcome today. Good day, sir. I'd like to start off this uh, discussion uh, with a recent quotation from Representative Louis Guterres. Our country attracts the best and brightest and the hardest workers from around the globe. That is a source of strength, but our current employment-based immigration laws are often at odds with the needs of our labour market and economy. Many of our guest worker programs are badly broken and they undermine workers' rights. At the same time, our visa quotas are determined by politics, not by labour and economic need. My plan will create an employment-based visa system that is fair to workers and employers, ensuring full labour rights for all workers creating a commission to align visa numbers with actual labor market demands and economic needs, not political wins. Uh, What would your uh,
1: response be to that? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know exactly what his plan is about, but um, our system is broken, that's for sure. Um, The laws are not necessarily broken, but the way they are enforced and implemented, uh, it's, uh, it's it's a problem in the United States that we have a lot of immigrants right now that have no documents but are working-class working people, and they can't get ahead because there is no path for them to obtain legal status or citizenship if they would want to. And most of these people have been here for many, many, many years and have deep roots in, in society, have families, and uh, have contributed to the economy but yet there is no path for them to obtain any legal status. Moreover, um, if you look at the bigger picture, there is no good system that is allowing for new immigrants to come in and contribute um, to to our society. And we have been uh, an open society from the start, and I think that's the beauty of the United States, that it allows many cultures to... um, Live together, and that makes this country unique. And uh, it would be great to have a better system.
0: Well, that uh, brings up the quotation from Bill Clinton in '98, uh, his uh, commencement address at the Portland State University New immigrants are good for America. They are revitalizing our cities, building our new economy, strengthening our ties to the global economy. I'm interested, though, in the 2010 Uh, um, legislation that they're pulling through to uh, legalize uh, some 12 million illegal immigrants Um, what is the impact of that and how does that fall into to this discussion?
1: Well um, uh, to to go back to the roots of, of this society, it is a capitalist society it's based on growth. If you stop growth by not letting more people in, by not letting in brain power, by not letting in manpower, you're cutting off the economy at its feet. Um, we are a growth-based economy, and if we acknowledge that, new immigrants are essential to the growth of this country. We um, we are not a closed society like some European countries where. There's just no space for new immigrants, and uh, there's a lot of cultural um, clashes, and new cultures have a hard time adapting to society in general. In the United States, we don't have that problem. We have cultures from all over the world, and we do live together um, most of the time in harmony. So I agree with um, uh, former President Clinton that say that that new immigrants are uh, essential to the growth of our economy. In 2010, I'm not really positive that such comprehensive immigration reform will actually occur. The current climate is very anti-new uh, immigrant. Uh, it's very anti-amnesty, um, as they call it. Um, people are very afraid of, of changes in uh, in our current system. The, they believe the borders are uh, not secure. They believe that um, immigrants will bring more crime and more uh, unemployment and uh, will strain your health care. And the way the discussion is going in the United States right now, I'm, I'm worried that there will not be a bill in Congress that will actually pass and bring about comprehensive immigration reform and allow millions of people to actually come out of the shadows. I don't think it will happen.
0: The um, meeting on the 12th with the Western Borders Policy Research Institute, uh, Edward Allen made a uh, comment, uh, said that the U.S. is putting all its effort and money into keeping people out and forgetting about allowing people in who could have a positive effect on the country. This is obviously a, a major problem right now.
1: It is a major problem. And, um, you know, my clients come from all over the world. I, uh, I have a lot of European clients. I have. Clients from Africa, I have clients from South America, of course. Um, but mostly people that uh, could contribute to American society are complaining that it's almost impossible to get in. And I'm talking about investors, I'm talking about engineers, I'm talking about compu- computer experts, consultants, people that have a lot of knowledge and sometimes a lot of uh, financial resources that could create many, many U.S. jobs. Uh, they can't even really come in through the border. They're being harassed uh, by Customs and Border Protection Agency at the airport. Uh, why are you coming in? And why are you coming in so often? And that never used to be the case. So that is a new development um, that started under the uh, new Department of Homeland Security which has enormous resources compared to what the resources used to be uh, for the immigration naturalization service. That was a very underfunded uh, organization, but with the creation in 2003 of the Department of Homeland Security uh, and the policy being enforcement only, um, the United States has effectively um, pushed away Uh, further investments from from foreign uh, entities and people are looking elsewhere and they're going to Singapore and they're going to South America actually and Canada and we are being passed by
0: was that a a result of the paradigm set up by uh, 2001 the 9-11 attacks
1: it was a combination of the uh, collapse of uh, the economy in 2000 It was not a true collapse but it was the uh, dot-com bust And then, of course, 9-11 happened in 2001, and enormous panic um, triggered the creation of the Department of Homeland Security. And whether that is a good thing, um, I don't know. Uh, We do have to protect ourselves. We have to protect our borders. We have to make sure that we know who comes in and who goes out. On the other hand, if you only created a system that... Um, is enforcement-driven, and you forget about the real essence of our country—that we are a country of immigrants. You're, you're basically um, gutting the philosophy, and you are um, not helping yourself. Let me put it that way.
0: Well, how does that affect? Uh, how, how does that affect immigration in the future, David? Uh, what are we going to see? Uh, what what's the uh, uh, what are going, going to be the trends as far as uh, people trying to come into this country, whether it's from Canada or Mexico or, or indeed Europe?
1: How do you see that uh, that that working? Well, the United mm-hmm. States. This is not the first time that we had an anti-immigrant uh, uh, climate. I mean, it's 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 always been uh, like a, a cycle, and uh, the anti anti-immigr- first anti-immigrant bill was introduced in 1798 because there were, we were afraid of uh, people coming in that were not coming from from Europe. So it takes leadership, true leadership, to say you know this is not about. Uh, illegal immigrants coming from Mexico. This is not about people coming from Guatemala or Honduras fleeing their country. This is not about um, uh, 10.2% of unemployment right now in the United States. No, this is about what we are um, as a nation. And as a nation, we need to understand that we have the opportunity to provide for for jobs for many, many people and that we can all benefit from an open society. And if if we can come to some kind of consensus that says, we need to be an open society, we have always been an open society, then maybe we can uh, move forward and we will have open borders, which I believe is only in the interest of of the United States. There's one thing that I wanted to add to that somehow we forgot that Mexico is our neighbor. Uh, We are very afraid of all these illegal immigrants coming over the border and we always see pictures of people crawling uh, um, over a fence. But we are border state and um, we have to come to some kind of, um, we we have to just acknowledge that, that we are a border state and then from there we have to grow. And this returns back
0: to Edward Alden um, at the Western Policy uh, Research Institute, who goes on to say uh, that U.S. immigration policy focuses too heavily on problems associated with the southern border while neglecting the, the, the northern border. Uh, it, it, they were also talking about the uh, economic effects of the Olympics, uh, uh, which requires uh, more concentration on uh, relationships between Uh, uh, local enforcement authorities and the immigration authorities in Canada and America to ensure that uh, there is a uh, um, uh, 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 a better paradigm set up on that policy in in regards to the Olympics so that business can continue. That seems strange to me that they're now... uh, they're now favoring the Canadian border to the Mexican border uh, simply because of this uh, this issue of the Olympics now now how does that how is that going to work in practicality
1: well the Canadian border is a very open border all the hijackers that um, were involved in nine eleven all came through Canada with visas they didn't come through Mexico it's very difficult for um, a person from outside South America to actually get into South America, uh, the borders of uh, cu- countries like Mexico and Argentina are very, very closed. Um, and the Canadian border is an open border, and it's very easy in in general to get to Canada from uh, a country like Saudi Arabia or um, Somalia, and then enter the United States uh, from the north. It's much uh, much easier. Uh, It's a political decision to keep the border open between Canada and the United States and to close the border from Mexico. But the reality is, of course, that Canadians do not immigrate en masse south. They just don't. And there is less of them than people from South America. Um, So the problem between Canada and the United States with regard to an open border is less. But the dangers are great.
0: This returns back to the uh, forum with the Western's uh, border policy research. Margaret Stock, who goes on to say that uh, the relationship the U.S. has uh, with Canada is much different than its relationship with Mexico. Uh, While some attempts to cooperation between the U.S. and Mexico have occurred, the U.S. does not have the same trust with Mexican authorities. Um, that uh, what is that doing to that relationship, in terms of uh, the the microeconomics that are occurring ac- along that border and have occurred for the last twenty years, all the way from
1: uh, the, the California through to Texas? Well. There, There is a lack of trust between the United States and Mexico, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, there's a lot of corruption in Mexico, and, and it is a third-world country compared to the United States. But the fact is we're living right next to each other. We have to work together. Even if there is a lack of trust, we don't want a situation which is usually compared to – um, by right-wing activists as building a wall between Israel and uh, and the West Bank. I don't think that that's a situation that we would want to have. Um, we need to strive towards a situation that we have the same trust between the U.S. and Mexico as we have between the U.S. and Canada. We are in a treaty, it's called the NAFTA treaty, between the three countries. Yet there are different regulations pertaining to Mexican cities, uh, citizens than there are to Canadian citizens. And is that fair? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a politician, but I'm just pointing out that um, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you say we don't, ha- we don't trust you and we don't want to work with you, then you'll get different results than when you do want to work together.
0: Well, what does this do in, in the future for the, for the border initiative um, uh, on the Mexican border? It, it appears that billions of dollars have been placed into that investment. Is it, is it wise money, David, to, to continue with that, with that idea?
1: Well, billions of dollars in, a, in uh, spending it on equipment and spending it on building a wall does not re, uh, give you any return on investment. I mean, it's just a wall. Um, It's better to spend billions and billions of dollars in creating a system that actually allow uh, regulated movement of people, like you have in Europe. Uh, I would just use as an example that um, Belgium, uh, Belgium is between France and Germany and, and Holland. And if there was no free movement of people, that country would be suffocated and wouldn't be able to exist. And uh, it's almost incomprehensible to, to think about what would happen if there was a wall around that country. And the same goes for the United States. It should be an open uh, uh, society. And, and it is possible when you spend billions and billions of dollars to regulate the movement of people back and forth. And yes, there will be people falling through the cracks and yes, there will be people coming in illegally. But if you focus on the criminal aspects of illegal immigration, then you don't need all these resources that you now are spending on building walls and, and uh, anti-illegal uh, immigration software and uh, other technical uh, instruments. You spend a lot of time uh, working in The Hague, uh,
0: so you clearly know how the European Union works uh, w- with that free movement how is it that we in this country cannot adopt that same methodology um, between uh, North America and South America and I, I'm aware that there were many failures with the NAFTA agreement uh, that, that that didn't work as they had planned but w- what in economic terms can we do uh, to uh, create a, a, a better situation uh, to alleviate
1: in the future the need for that wall at all? Well, the irony is, of course, that the Europeans looked at the Americans to create the free movement of people because we had the free movement first. Um, You can freely move from Kansas to California, from Minnesota to Arizona, from Georgia to New York. Uh, We have free movement of people all the time. Um, But we've chosen to stop that at the border. So the Europeans really looked at our model and they didn't have the free movement uh, as much as before. They had free movement uh, very limited between, say, Holland, Germany, and uh, Belgium, uh, or France and uh, Italy, but then you couldn't really go to Spain. Now, that has all opened up. But now they're passing us by and say, well, we have opened it all up. and we have free movement of people between countries, and we have stopped our free movement at the border. So we may want to look back at ourselves and say, well, if we made it so easy from Minnesota to Georgia or from from Oregon to Arizona, maybe Mexico might be an added bonus, and maybe we should look into further free movement and not be afraid of the fact that they may speak a different language and, and maybe we shouldn't be afraid that they may all not be as educated as some people and maybe we shouldn't be as afraid that they may take jobs away from U.S. workers because those are fallacies, those are, those are untruths and let's just face up to the fact that we live next to each other and, um, and create a system that will work for both countries. How do you see
0: uh, the homeland security changing now in the next ten years? Uh, what do you think uh, that the the uh, current secretary Janet Napolitano is going to do, especially in regard to revitalizing our economy? Uh, there's obviously going to be a, a, a lot of uh, policies made here uh, uh, in the homeland security that are going to affect so many other sectors, like healthcare. Uh, where do you think that they're going to go with this?
1: Well, it's hard to say what uh, Secretary Napolitano really means. Um, she says one thing and in my practice and in my experience they do another. They. Um, The the secretary gave a speech last week and said it's time for immigration reform. The White House has on its website that they want to end this dysfunctional immigration system and and ensure that uh, families stay together. Um, Yet I have not seen any action since uh, the new president was inaugurated in January 2009 that would actually um, be that way. Um, Napolitano has not made any um indication that she will give directives to uh to the, her attorneys to chief counsel to enforcement agencies to maybe put this enforcement only uh program on hold while they are thinking about implementing new policies and what they can do about it there's very simple things that can be done that doesn't need comprehensive immigration reform that doesn't need an act of Congress to effectively change how we deal with immigration in this country Um, the secretary has chosen not to act on that so I it's it's hard for the um, uh, private bar for for all our uh, attorneys that I'm um, you know one of to understand where we are really going with this it seems that um, Department of Homeland Security is waiting for an act of Congress, just like they're waiting on, on health care reform. Um, but she can actually do an awful lot of things to make things better right now, including securing in the borders, which she's proud of saying that she has. And um, I don't know if that is true or not, but. Um, there are very simple things that you can do, and uh, and if you want I can give you some examples, but I don't know if that goes too uh, too deep. You want me to give Absolutely. some examples? Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, there is one provision in the law, and I went to court yesterday on, on this provision in the law, where where um, it's called cancellation of removal, and a person has been here for more than 10 years, has shown good moral character, um, has not been uh, convicted of any felony, and If he can show that his deportation, or she can show that her deportation, would cause uh, what they call exceptional and extremely unusual hardship on uh, relatives that are U.S. citizens or permanent residents, and in this case, what I I went to court for uh, yesterday, there were three U.S. citizen children, uh, 6, 10, 12 years old, um, while in court. Uh, The Department of Homeland Security agreed that this person had good moral character, that he had been here 10 years, that he was not convicted of any felony, and that his children would suffer hardship. But what was the argument? The argument was, well, it wasn't exceptional and extremely unusual, and that Congress had set the bar so high in order for the hardship to be exceptional and extremely unusual that the department felt that the hardship was normal. Um, uprooting six, ten, and 12-year-old children from their home uh, in an abrupt f- fashion by an order of deportation to Mexico, where the father may never find a job, where narco-trafficking is um, uh, the main source of income in that uh, city where he would be deported to, uh, it would cause tremendous hardship on these kids. And the department agreed, but they said, We cannot agree with you that this person should be uh, allowed to stay in the United States because Congress decided that the children have to be either really sick or handicapped or have some mental retardation in order to meet the standard of extremely unusual hardship and exceptional hardship. The department can take a different stance. Uh, Napolitano can say, well, either we keep these cases in abeyance until Congress gives better guidance, because this seems to be an unintended consequence of legislation that was enacted in 1996, when Congress really didn't know what the effects would be of such high standard for hardship. They didn't know. Um, But now we see the effects. So the... the, the, um, Secretary can simply say to the trial attorneys of the Department of Homeland Security, maybe you shouldn't fight all these cases because there's no winner. There's no winner.
0: What is the cutoff here? But it must be very subjective in in the evaluation and the and, and the
1: resolution. Well, it is very subject, subjective, and the problem is that the judge, in most instances, will not grant these kind of cases because the standard as again, as said by Congress in 1996, is so extremely high. The judge almost has no choice but to deny the application. And, and I say, and I, I said it yesterday in court, I said, there are no winners. Yes, the government wins the case, the person is deported. Now what? You've deported a person that has worked for 14 years in the United States, paid his taxes, never did a crime, as three U.S. citizen children. You take away these three uh, children from, from the United States. Um, you deprive them of an education. This one little girl wanted to be a teacher when she grew up. She probably will not be a teacher. The hardship, we don't know what it's going to be. It could come back when she is 25, 30 years old and result in uh, depression, um, uh, trauma. We, nobody really knows what will happen to these kids. The only way, there is no winner. I mean, the government won the case, the person is deported, but the U.S. government is not a winner in this case, nobody is a winner in this case. The only way we would have all won, if this father had been a, uh, be allowed to stay in the United States, then the case was closed, they could move on with their lives, nobody got hurt, and. Um, there are, uh, there are absolutely no losers ex- except for the fact that the government would have to gave in, uh, cave in to me, and they didn't. And that's where Napolitano can make a big difference, and she refuses to do so.
0: How does the human rights issue come into this, uh, and, and what are the parallels that you can draw uh, here against uh, the Berlin Wall? The the old Soviet bloc, and, and I'm not trying to be uh, uh, melodramatic or make a point, but uh, but are there some parallels
1: here that we are not seeing? Well, the one the one big issue is that the children who are U.S. citizens, and in some uh, instances parents who are U.S. citizens and have an illegal alien uh, son or daughter, are not represented by by counsel their rights are not represented in court. Um, as an attorney yesterday, I represented the person who is being deported. The U.S. citizen children have no attorney. Their rights are being trampled on by the U.S. government. They don't have the right to sue their own father for taking him out of the country against their will. Uh, they don't have the right to sue the government for ordering their father deported and as a result, being forced out of the country that they have the right to grow up in. They are not represented uh, by child protective services. They they are um, a class, as as of now, completely unprotected by the law. And there's no true comparisons between the Berlin Wall, per se, and, and a deportation uh, situation. But there are a lot of victims that are not even involved in this process.
0: And I was going to ask, is this not an uncommon case?
1: This is very common. This is very common and um, I had a discussion with the judge at that time yesterday and I, my, my argument was, you know, the, the fact that these children are subjected to this kind of stress and this kind of trauma is exceptional and extremely unusual by nature. Um, Hopefully no US citizen child would ever have to face that. Um, But that is not a persuasive argument because that would mean that every case would have to be granted by, uh, by the judge and he would not be able to do that. Now the other side of the coin is, and that's where the hatred comes in when I see the blogs when cases like this are being publicized, is that people say, well, too bad, you know. Their father came in in 95, he should have thought of it then, he shouldn't have made these kids, he shouldn't have had anchor babies. So then then real people become commodities, they become anchor babies. Well these children yesterday weren't anchor babies. They were 6, 10, and 12 years old with severe trauma. Um, When their father was taken into uh, detention, um, they they have had severe trauma and they are completely unrepresented. They don't get any medical care because of it. Um, There is no right to counsel for these kids. There's not even really a right to counsel for my client, like in criminal proceedings. So when uh, the right wing is suggesting to make illegal immigration a criminal issue and say, let's make it a trespass, I say, bring it on, bring it on, because if you make it a criminal issue, at least 12 million people will get an attorney. Uh, they don't have an attorney, they don't have Fifth Amendment rights, they don't have Fourth Amendment rights, they don't even have Sixth Amendment rights. They can hire an attorney at their own expense but they don't get a public defender if it would be a trespass be a different situation
0: does this not
1: appear rather rather
0: unusual or, or, or quite absurd that you can have a case singled out like this that can affect so badly the, the lives of children who are always going to be in fear of the system here and yet on the other side you can have uh, this initiative for 2010 of blankly signing off uh, a, a bill that's going to um, help 12 million people become citizens now how there is a huge uh, dichotomy in that that whole method How how is that how is that even going to work to just simply make 12 million people legal in this country
1: well I think they're making a big mistake um and I don't think that people, in, the, the members of Congress, but also not um, the senior officials at the Department of Homeland Security really understand immigration law. They really just don't. And and they're trying to say, well, we're doing an amnesty, which they did in 1986 and which they tried to do in 1996. But the fact is the law is not that bad. Um, there are just very... Um, good ways to make use of what you already have, rather than saying, well, we're going to make 12 million people legal, and, and which may invite further illegal immigration. That may may well be true. But we have a, a, a cancellation of removal section in our law that is not workable. As I, I pointed out in the court case yesterday, everybody really agreed that these kids suffer hardship. But yet, not winning their case. So we could just work on those kind of situations first and say, well, maybe we should tweak it a little bit. And it's not so bad to sh- to have to show that you have been here for 10 years and it's not so bad to show that you have to, a good moral character, because we don't want criminal aliens to be to become citizens uh, necessarily. I mean, then there's a lot of gray in between too. Because what is a crime? I mean, is a possession of 30 grams of marijuana uh, a crime, or is a possession of uh, of two grams of marijuana a crime? I mean, we can talk about that as well. But there's a lot of gray. So a, a blanket amnesty is a is a damn uh, not not a not a bad not not a good thing. Let me put it that way. Um, uh, we need to research what we have right now. There is a, another provision in the law which is called registry, but it's been outdated. It's uh, everybody that has been here uh, before January 1st, 1972, can get a green card, as long as you haven't committed an, a felony. Uh, 1972, not a lot of people. Um, still around, this, this, this law has never been updated. I mean, you could say, well, this was enacted in 1986, so let's update that law with 15 years, make it 1987, uh, and suddenly you capture maybe two million people that, that can prove that. And uh, so you don't have to make a blanket, you just say, well, we update our registry provision that we have in the law since 1986.
0: Uh, well, and I'm assuming that the uh, ID card uh, idea in the European Union was taken from that model that that was th- how that was created?
1: Uh, I'm not sure if that's true but um, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Napolitano has been uh, forging international uh, um, discussions and cooperation and spent a lot of time uh, over in the European Union to see how the, they, 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 they do things over there and see how she can uh, m- maybe copycat that or, or utilize some of those ideas Forging uh, better relationships, better security. Mm-hmm. Um, is In your mind, is that a good focus ho- for her to do that, or should she really be back on the home front, um, concentrating on the, the specific issues that we have here?
1: Well, what is interesting is that in 1996, I was the uh, press secretary for the attorney general in Holland, <laughs> uh, so her counterpart. And I remember going to Canada, to learn from the Canadians how they did things because they were doing everything so much better than Holland was. Uh, In other words, yes, it's okay to learn from each other, but in the end, everybody is trying to reinvent the wheel, and they always think that somebody else is doing it better somewhere else. I think the U.S. hasn't done a bad job in immigration. We had a major catastrophic event in 9-11. That had nothing to do with illegal immigration, nothing that had everything to do with people that were malicious and were terrorists and wanted to attack the United states and they did so by legally coming into the United States. We panicked and 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 also that that's understandable that we panicked because we in the United States we had never experienced anything like this before that people really would come to American soil and do us harm. Unfortunately, that discussion then then was redirected towards illegal immigration as if illegal immigrants are out to destroy the United States. And the word illegal brings with it a, a preconception uh, of people are who are bad. That's why the word illegal is not in the law. There are no people that are illegally here. They may be here um, unlawfully. They may be here without documents. They may be here with uh, expired visas. But there are no such things as illegal people. People are not illegal. Uh,
0: just to get a clarity here for the sake of our listeners, The homeland security at this stage is its first mandate to target terrorism activities and and security uh, over the general immigration uh, issues that we've been discussing. Is that taking precedence at the moment? And and certainly uh, having a great effect on the ability of people to be able to come into
1: this country? Well, it should take president. Um, uh, I mean, the Department of Homeland Security, its name uh, should indicate that the, the department targets criminals and our security. Um, however, it is a very strange department. Um, it when used, you say strange. Well, I was going to explain to you. <laughs> Before um, the, the creation of the Department of Homeland Security… Immigration was part of the Department of Justice. And it, even though that didn't make all that much sense because the judges are also part of the Department of Judge, uh, Justice, the enforcement is, was part of the Department of Justice, and the services, meaning people coming into the country, were also a part of the Department of Justice. Um, but customs, for example, was part of the Treasury Department. And the Secret Service was part of the Treasury Department. And now you created this whole new um, conglomerate of enforcement-driven agencies and you put in immigration. So it gives the idea that it is an enforcement-driven policy where we also have a citizenship and immigration service that should be towards affirmative applications, people that come in, people that request a service, people that are making a legitimate application for a benefit to the United States. Should that be under the Department of Homeland Security? Maybe not, maybe not, because it's not part of an enforcement agency. Everything has now been put into an enforcement mode even if we're talking about people that are applying for a benefit, as if we need to scrutinize them first before they can apply for this benefit, when it should be the other way around. They should be able to apply for the benefit, and then we should scrutinize whether they should actually get it or not. Um, but the way the Department of Homeland Security has been set up and funded is... Um, uh, Enforcement has been giving an, an an unequal amount of money. And what do you do with that unequal amount of money is you go after the easy targets first. And the easy targets are not the criminals because criminals are hard to catch. It's much easier to catch someone who is at a truck stop at a way a station and... Um, and then you ask him for his paperwork and he says, well, I, have, I don't have any." Then You take him in and you detain him and then you try to deport him. That person is just doing an honest job. The criminal would not be at the way station. He wouldn't be stupid enough to do that. So, yes, I think the Department of Homeland Security is going after criminal behavior and terrorist activities and that is the main focus. But the reality is you catch the easy ones first. And the easy ones are not Uh, high-profile criminals
0: for our younger generation and certainly for the children that you you cited in that case who obviously are going to be subjected to great trauma how are we going to ensure that the future generation here whether in their case they have to leave the country for a while or whether there is some way that they can stay here how do we ensure that they don't have that mindset of fear not just about uh... uh... homeland security but a, 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 about the country itself about the pride of being in this country when there seems to be an overwhelming problem here facing them in their personal lives what can we do to to uh... satisfy that problem
1: well education is for f- really important Um i mean when I see what children really talk about in, in high school, but also in college, and what their political views are, it's based on lack of understanding of, of immigration itself. It's, it's, they're basing what they know, um, they're basing it on what they have learned from their parents and from the news and from politicians and from people who seek the news like like people like Joe Arpaio or Russell Pierce uh, or other right-wing people that will will shout from the rooftops what they think about immigration. And when you listen to them, I get afraid. I mean, I can understand that uh, that teenagers will get afraid because the numbers of unemployment are rising. I mean, that's what they think anyway. Uh, then all these uh, people from other countries come to the United States to take their jobs that they could probably do. Um, all those things make sense. And when you hear a person like Lou Dobbs who says, you know, if we don't close the borders then it doesn't make any sense to have any immigration to the United States at all because we get overridden by people that speak Spanish. and I, and. That is a is a legitimate fear. We have to acknowledge that that fear exists. And I understand that um, young Americans will maybe have that fear as well. What you can do is teach them that nothing ever change, uh, is the same, everything changes. The United States 200 years from now may be a different country, I don't know. But you have to be open to change. In order to survive as a nation, you have to be able to change. And if you want to be ahead of the curve, like most Americans always want, we have a very positive outlook. We can do better than everybody else. You have to be able to change. You have to be able to adapt. And the only way you can do that is to have a very open mind and be able to understand what your position is in the world. And what you can do as an individual is very limited. But at least if you have an open mind, then you will get ahead. If you have a... If I have a closed mind, you'll get trampled on. You may even get more scared because you don't understand what's going around, uh, going on around you. And that is my, I would talk about fear, that's my fear. That's what's happening uh, right now in America where we seem to be closing our minds and are afraid of what's going on around us and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy then people will pass you by because if you go back into your shell nothing happens
0: well then clearly there is a heavy responsibility on the
1: homeland security to uh, soften their image well I don't know if they need to soften their image Um, I just don't think that immigration necessarily is part of homeland security Uh, it is uh, immigration is a a separate entity and that should have been Uh, Addressed as such and it uh, it's a little bit unfortunate that it now Seems to be part of an enforcement driven agency I I think it's fine to have a homeland security agency very aggressively Protecting um, its uh, its country. I have no problem with that. I I don't want to be attacked by uh, by terrorists I, I, I applaud the men and women that protect us every day, but immigration might not be in the right spot and might not be um given the uh is not giving right now the same uh, level of of attention that it should be getting and it and it, it maybe not has nothing to do with homeland security
0: going back to the uh, the children that that have been had seen their father uh, be taken into detention what will happen to them as just citing them as a case, and i 'm sure that it is common. what will happen to them now? Is there any protection for them at all, or are they simply having going uh, simply departing from the country and, and uh, one is hoping for the best?
1: Um, well, I can use another example of a case that has just come to a conclusion. And this case has not yet been come to a conclusion, but in the case that we went all the way to the Ninth Circuit and the Ninth Circuit said, you know what, too bad. Um, We don't have even have the jurisdiction to review uh, whether these people should be deported or not. We we won't even make a decision. Um, My client went back to Mexico and I get emails every week um, uh, telling me how the kids are suffering how the kids are um, crying every night, how drugs are being smuggled uh, in front of their house, how their father is now looking for a job in Canada as a truck driver because there's no work in Mexico. Um, and these were kids that were uh, just like the kids in, in the other case, um, happy-go-lucky school children. And um, fortunately, the older child may be able to come back to the United States very shortly and um, start studying at uh, Arizona State University, but um, uh, that's not uh, a a given right now. But the trauma on the younger children is is tremendous and and I believe unnecessary. In that case, if I may give you a, a little bit of background in that case, These clients were never illegal. They came in with a visa, uh, a husband and wife, and they wanted to stay. This was in the late 80s. So they applied for work permits, they tried their best, um, but nothing really worked out. In 1997, they finally had a lawyer that was willing to take their case to court. They went to court and the judge in 2004, granted their case, but was called cancellation of removal. Which we just talked about he could he prove that he was here for years and years. He had his own trucking company. He employed people. He was a good person, and he had all these U.S. citizen children. And, and at that stage, he he was legal, or was well, he, he was, illegal? he was the the problem is legal and illegal it's it's really great people think well all these people climb the wall and then you and and they're all staying that's just not the reality some people come in on a border crossing card and they try to fix their paperwork and this was one of those people they came in on a border crossing card and they tried to fix their paperwork so they technically were never unlawfully present they they were authorized to stay throughout the process that didn't give them a green card but once you have applied for something you are allowed to sit out that process so that those, those that's what they tried to do in 2004 the judge said i, I believe there was extremely and unusual hardship on these kids and he granted the case but the government the department of homeland security said we're not satisfied with that answer we're going to deport him we're going to appeal this case so they appealed the case they, they, were, they won the appeal, and the case came back to court, and the judge had to make a, a new decision based on the appeal. And at that time, the judge had retired, so there was a new judge. And the new judge says, okay, I'm going to deny your, your, your application now because of the appeal. And he wouldn't allow uh, them to, to uh, give more evidence that may have been necessary to show the hardship on these children. So it was a reversal. And these people are now in Mexico. And nobody is a winner. Again, I mean, these are young kids that uh, had to go with their father and their mother. Um, And at the same time, and that was the irony, he has a sister-in-law that didn't do anything about her case, that didn't go to the government and said, I want to fix my paperwork. And because of the laws are so convoluted, she now has a green card.
0: In rounding up this discussion, David, what, sure. what is the message then to Homeland Security? What is the message to uh, local enforcement agencies? We have these dire circumstances. Uh, we have this trauma on these young people. Uh, on the other hand, we have some sort of initiative in place for next year of uh, opening the doors to twelve million people. Would it not be uh, right and just for the homeland security to come back in on these cases and take a look at these cl- cases with more scrutiny
1: i would love that i uh, wrote a letter to uh, Ms napolitano a long time ago and asked her uh, if she couldn't take a look at all these cases and these are the majority of the cases and the and the courts are overloaded with these cases and that's the even bigger problem it's because we are so enforcement driven We overload the courts. I can't even get a court date before 2012 right now. So two years, two and a half years from now. um, There's no need to deport all these people just because Congress made a standard so high that nobody can meet the standard. It's not intelligent, it's not pragmatic, It's, 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 it's taken away from the department's true focus which would be homeland security. And I invite the uh, secretary to have a discussion with uh, all of us to really go into detail and and comb through the immigration law that we have and make it work.
0: Well, let us hope with that that we can uh, change that paradigm in this country. David, it's been a great pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much to our listeners. We hope that you have enjoyed this uh, first program. We will be back and I'm sure that David will be returning to us to give us an update uh, in four or five months. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors.